Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock, he constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. I'm Honey German. And I'm Carolina Bermudez. And, and this, this is Life in Spanglish. And you know we're cooking it up in here. We got that arroz con pollo waiting for you. Why are you looking at me so confused? Because I'm like, what we cooking? We don't have a stove. <laughs> you got the bajo. I'll get, you know, the, you got the mangu. We got it all for you at Life in Spanglish. I need a sancocho if I'm getting any type of food. Listen and follow on the iHeartRadio app or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Movie Crush, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey everybody, welcome to Movie Crush, Friday interview edition. Charles W. Bryant here at Pont City Market, the home studio, everyone. Today I had Katie Culp in, uh, Catherine Culp. She is a, well, let me tell you how I met Katie. Um, Katie is a seamstress and an embroiderer and a master, dare I say, master patchworker or patchmaker. And she, uh, I met when I lost my beloved Last Chance Garage hat. Um, at South by Southwest a few years ago, and I was pretty upset. And uh, my friend Karen Freed, who has been on this show, who works in uh, the wardrobe department, said, you need to call my friend Katie. She does patches, and she can hook you up. Um, I went back to Katie's shop a bunch of times, and she basically cranked out like six of these perfectly replicated Last Chance Garage patches through some um, combination of talent and wizardry and artistry. I have no idea. But all I know is I ended up with like five um, hats, and I never had to worry about my last chance garage hat again. And even if I lose all five of these hats, I can go back to Katie and get these patches made. Uh, She does great work. She works in the film industry uh, adjacent, as she says on this episode, um, making patches and doing embroidery for wardrobe departments. You have seen her work. If you have seen stuff like Baby Driver, um, she has a very cool story about that. And you can find Katie at Tulip cake embroidery. So go check it out. And uh, like I said, if you want something done, if you want something specific or long lost or custom, like Katie can can truly hook you up. She's very, very talented and a very, very cool lady. And uh, her movie pick was A League of Their Own, um, the great, great film uh, film from 1992, uh, directed by um, the beloved Penny Marshall, RIP. So sad to lose her. And uh, this movie is great, though. This is this right up there with Big is one of her probably two best films and such a great movie. Great performances all around from Tom Hanks and Rosie O'Donnell and Gina Davis and Lori Petty and Madonna, who I forgot was in this movie, believe it or not. But we had a good chat about it. Katie is awesome. And here we go with Katie Culp on A League of Their Own. Um, how you doing? How you been? Uh, I'm great. Uh, how's, how's the new shop? It's awesome. So, I mean, it's right down there um, by Turner Field. Uh-huh. Uh, so, really, I mean, that that area is just popping. It's is it's, it? it's changing 
good. Every day. It took them moving a baseball stadium to do that yeah. instead of doing it for 20 years when it was there. Yeah. And in fact, I um, just this morning I was at the um, – I went to the Invest Atlanta board meeting uh-huh. uh, at the Georgia Pacific building and l- base, at least half of the agenda for the entire day was about what's going on in that neighborhood. Oh, wow. And how much money and um, and attention they're, they're really putting towards it. So it's kind of – That's awesome. It's kind of nuts. But it kind of gives me that nervous feeling again because you remember my old shop, the workshop. Sure. Which was, um, you know, just down the belt line from here. I could walk. It was a 10-minute walk yeah. to and from Pont City Market from there. But, of course, the belt line did happen. And right. uh, so not, no longer in that shop, which was – I mean, just a really special place. Yeah. But um, but no, I'm in this other shop now, and coincidentally, the Beltline is kind of creeping over towards there as really? well. Yeah. Now, what is that? I mean, that's good for you, right? Or does that all of a sudden make it? Well, I'm a renter, right. you know. So, so it's, bad. it's it's yeah, it's potentially disastrous. But I think I don't know. I'm 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 trying to kind of put myself ahead of the curb right now and mm-hmm. and and take that as it comes. And right. you know, it's. It, it, it's just it's just a shame that artist spaces are kind of the first thing to go, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it's yeah. it's a really it's a really nice area. So I don't know, man. I despite that, I as long as I'm you know still still pumping away doing what I really love to do, I think I'll be fine. Yeah, at least that's what I tell myself. Uh, but um, but yeah, it's a really it's a really awesome shop, really awesome area. Cool. I've, I've gotten very lucky in terms of location. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. What are you are you doing stuff for film and TV more yes. and more? Yeah. So well basically, so the past four years, um the embroidery operation I've been doing is semi exclusively catered um, specifically for the film industry. Oh really? Yeah. So we work a lot with film and te- television, obviously. A lot of things are being filmed down here and a lot of things that I'm kind of surprised are being filmed down here are yeah. and the wardrobe departments and the prop departments consistently need uniform yeah. decorating yep. um, for, you know, any think about any time you, you watch a movie or a TV show uh, or even a commercial, you know, there's very likely either a cop or um, right. an EMT, yep. doctor, some kind of a uniformed official uh, that doesn't necessarily have lines, but their, their wardrobe really tells the story of who they are, where yeah. they are, what their position is. So that has been a really um, – that's really why I, I, I started the business was because I noticed that need within the film community for that to be done fast turnaround um, and and by somebody who's really paying attention to the details. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. And then along the way, we've also picked up, you know, other uh, – we'll do some business to business. But the lion's share of what we do day in and day out is just for film. And I is, imagine you are the go-to – person in Atlanta, right? Uh, I would like to think so, but I mean, there are other... Is there more than one of you? There, Well, there's no... <laughs> like, I, I think I'm the only one that is full-time specifically dedicated just to that, but yeah, yeah. of course there are um, other embroidery businesses and t-shirt printing and screen printing operations sure. um, that have been doing it, but n- didn't necessarily create their business model specifically for that kind of turnaround, right. which is, I think, where I differ. Um, and also, we just uh, just recently took on uh, digital T-shirt printing as well. Oh, cool! So that you know, when when I sign uh, on a, an account for a costume department, now they don't have to go you know from A to B back and forth, being like, I need my embroidery done here and my patches here, and then right. I need 
my pr- printing over here. You know, I wanted to make it pretty easy on on them, and so I just took out a huge loan and oh, really? did it myself. <laughs> but um, but yeah. yeah, it's so far so good. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. I don't think people sometimes understand that um, how far the tendrils of an industry, right. like the film industry, reach. Mm-hmm. Um, so like. I mean, you could consider yourself a film professional in a way. Yeah, I mean, you're also just an independent artist. I, I, I say film adjacent. Film adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> cool, because you get a lot of work through them. But like um, in the case of our state, when we get uh, a governor in office um, illegally, like we just got, yeah, uh, who may sign through legislation – um, mm-hmm. anti-LGBTQ legislation that could possibly drive away, like, a multi-billion-dollar industry. Yeah. It's like it a $15 billion-dollar industry. Yeah, because it, it affects – it's not just like, oh, they don't film movies anymore. Like, there are just mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds of people like you right. that gets all this adjacent work that are affected. Right. I don't think it will happen. I am – There's just know, too much money at stake. There's so – And he is a Republican. Uh, yeah. And they love money. They certainly do. <laughs> like he's not dumb. It's I it you know I mean thing I just I keep getting surprised. It's like I, I think to myself you know like there's that that seems like a win win win. Why would anybody yeah. do that? And then you know of course like well clearly I know nothing because things right. just keep kind of surprising me. Um, I but, think it was just talk election talk. Yeah, there's just so much money at play. Like you can't drive away that kind of money mm-hmm. for your state. Yeah, you just can't do it. Yeah. Think of, I mean, you you interview film professionals from from around here all the time, and like like you said, the 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 tendrils, the tentacles, or you know whatever yeah. um, kind so of far appendage you need. They, right. they employ so 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 many people. Yeah, and uh, and I'm really I'm really thankful that I have uh, the the business that I do. I kind of I kind of think about it sometimes, like I just. Thought like I was like, okay, here's this industry. What if I just kind of created my own job? Because I didn't necessarily yeah. want to be on set. I did kind of a little bit here and there, um, costuming uh-huh. especially. So is that um, your background? Yeah. Um, I so I kind of got into the film business, and uh, you're going to know a lot of these names. Um, you know, I I got a uh, I got let go from a corporate job, okay. which wasn't a great fit for me. I'm, Where was I'm more, that? Uh, it say? was. I, sure, I don't you can. <laughs> sure. You don't, you don't have to. But. Fine. Yeah, I was working for another uh, Atlanta startup called Zifty. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, and um, and it just didn't work out. It wasn't a great fit. I, I really like learned during that this this episode that I'm I, I love working with my hands, mm-hmm. and uh, and so you know I got let go, and I was kind of like, well, I. Uh, I guess I got nothing to lose. Like I can like mm-hmm. kind of start over if if if, uh, if I put enough effort into it. And so I was like, I want to I want to do seamstressry. I want to be building things. And right. so I reached out to some friends and was like, Hey guys, I want to start making puppets. Sure. The next thing that happens, <laughs> of course, is that I am introduced to Raymond Carr. Man, Raymond. Raymond. Yeah. Yeah. His and name uh, up a lot. And that's um and actually meeting him was uh was really funny because I met him for the first time in the workshop, which. Mm-hmm. I ended up taking on a lease there a few years later, um, and uh, and I'm like, hey, what what got you into puppetry? And we, by the way, we, we he had just started building the spaceman, mm-hmm. so I was like, I will work for you for free, right. like to help you build this yeah, thing. That was um, I did cool. very, I, it was so cool, and I did very minor work, but it was really uh, special to be a part of. Um, 
But anyway, I was like, hey, how'd you get into puppetry? And in short, he's like, I come from a family of uh, church clowns. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. opening line to I a found life story. my people. <laughs> like, I was like, good, good. That's, that's ideal. Like, yeah. that's exactly who I want to work for. And so I worked for him for a while. Uh-huh. And uh, making puppets, making puppets, and then of course he would pick up things, you know, where they just need such and such kind of right. made, you know, uh, contracts for Mailchimp or uh, George Aquarium, uh-huh. uh, and um, and so did that, and then uh, took on a lease uh, from Julia Hill, who was uh, the one that was really leasing the property over there from right. Tony Cooper Smith. Oh and, yeah, uh, Cooper Smith. I remember that guy. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people do. Um, <laughs> But uh, He yelled at me a few times on set. That is kind of the common story. It's like if you know him, you've been yelled at by him. Yeah. For those of you listening, Tony Cooper Smith was this uh, local um, – I guess he was an art director mm. on commercials and stuff. And he, he, he yelled at people a lot. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to uh, suffer his ire mm-hmm. on more than one occasion. Yeah. It's a pretty – it's a pretty good yell if you can get it. Yep. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing is he would uh, – if you came back at him – you were good. Yeah. It was that weird, mm-hmm. like, 50s dad mentality of, like, you know, <laughs> the son hits the dad back and then it's, like, all okay. Yeah. But I never did. I just wanted to leave. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I kept a pretty low ro- low profile. Yeah. But um, – and then uh, – so Julia Hill, who was the, uh, the uh, kind of resident tenant over there, you know, kind of took a chance on me and let me um, lease out some space as well so that I could take on bigger seamstress projects. And then I just kept on – getting more and more focused Mm -hmm. and uh, kind of found myself drawn to, uh, you know, digital embroidery. I I love technology. I love seamstressry. I love um, working with art and uh, kind of making something out of nothing. It's really a special process that I really fell in love with. uh, That's awesome. Yeah. And so uh, after a while of, uh, you know, doing – doing custom work uh, with them in kind of like a broad sense and then, of course, working for Southeast Costume Company. Uh, oh, did you work for them? Yeah. Do you know oh, Caroline okay. Dieter? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Raymond, Dan's wife, right? Exactly. Sure. Uh, Raymond introduced me to her. I took a job with them for a few years and, mm-hmm. and that's also how I met, you know, the majority of the the film contacts that I made that aren't my immediate friends, like mm-hmm. which are pretty much everybody you've interviewed. Right. Um, <laughs> But um, but yeah, so worked there, and then eventually, uh, when Baby Driver c- came in town, uh, they needed so much embroidery that I was like, I kind of got to quit. Really? Like I, it was it was a kind of a, a you know. So that was the scale tipper the moment for uh-huh. me, where it was like, I have the excuse to do this full time. It's like the universe is saying, Katie. Uh, not necessarily. It's just like I no? mean, I, but I loved my job at Southeast, and uh, and uh, but you know, if there was ever a time to do it, right. it seemed like a really good one, and and I uh, no regrets. I really like it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's been really fun. Um, I think what I like about um, you and your type is and is sort of just like that film thing of like we'll figure it out. Yeah, and like like with Raymond when especially on stuff you should know like. There's always someone to call, and everyone's so creative mm-hmm. and so talented. And there's always someone you can call that can figure something out when a director or a producer just says, you know, mm-hmm. offhand, oh, we need blank. And, you know, what happens from there that sends a dozen people scurrying yeah. in every different direction trying to, like you said, make something out of nothing. Yeah. And it, it always works. 
it seems like. Yeah, that's movie magic. <laughs> yeah, like the impossible happens. Yeah, you know, uh, all the time. Yeah, and it's really it is really fun to to have any small part of that. You know, in terms of just wardrobe decorating, and and you know sometimes I put a lot of effort into something and you never see it. Sure. But you know it's also character development. It's helping right. people kind of get into that that vibe of this is who I am. Uh-huh. You know, I'm the kind of person that wears this. 12-inch patch on the back of my jacket. However, yeah. you're never going to see it on camera right. kind of thing. Um, yeah, but, you know, if an actor puts something like that on, like you said, mm-hmm. you know, they have the Van Halen patch, yeah. which I might have to commission one of those <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Was Baby Driver sort of what, – what's been like the thing that you've had to do the most stuff for? Uh, movie-wise or like movie-wise, kind of uh, product-wise? Well, both. Okay. Uh like has anyone ever said I need a hundred patches to go on a hundred jumpsuits? Yeah. Like next week. Yeah, all the time. Um, yeah, baby, that was a thing with Baby Driver. Is they, you know, as uh, if if I'm sure you're aware, uh, you know, anything that goes on camera kind of has to pass legal, and so right uh, when it comes to uniform patches, the costume designer and the graphic designer and the producers, directors, uh-huh. powers that be, and and legal all have to agree on what is going to be the uniform piece. And so by the time that happens, you kind of need it yesterday. Right. So, so you're um, always working fast. So it's always working fast. And when it came to Baby Driver, um, I really liked their City of Atlanta patch, which you can actually see. There's a shot of it full screen, mm-hmm. uh, which I you know, I always tell myself it's never going to make it on screen. And uh-huh. then something like that does. That's pretty neat, huh? It was fun. <laughs> um, and awesome. I And I didn't expect that coming from that patch, but um, – you know, they needed hundreds of them because it's – I mean, obviously, it's a heist movie. There are hundreds of cops right. and security guards and other uniformed officials, you know, D- Department of Justice. Um, but the the kind of the, the, the fun piece for that project was, uh, you know, when Baby goes into underground Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. And he grabs the jacket off the rack and oh, throws yeah. it on. Uh-huh. And it's got this big, ridiculous Welcome to Atlanta embroidered piece on yeah, the back of it. That, that was, was me. <laughs> That was me. Hopefully what happens is no one that listens to this will ever be able to watch a movie again without right? noticing every single piece of embroidery and every patch. Exactly. That's, that's kind like, of my mission. Yeah. Because yeah. that stuff matters and it takes that many people to make something real yeah. and come to life, you know? Absolutely. It's such a, like a group effort, you know? I love it. Yeah. And um, and, and what I, feedback I've gotten from, you know, costumers and, and supervisors is like, that they'll go to a traditional embroidery company with this with these needs and they'll just kind of be like right. you are out of your mind. Yeah. And there's something just about getting it. That and they come to me and, and I'm like, yeah, I'm out of my mind. Let's do this. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. The, the, it, I remember going to people that didn't know about the film industry for lots of things. And just you lose time just having to explain everything. Right. You know, so they come to someone like you, and it's just like, yeah, what do you, what do you, what do you want? Exactly. Yeah, I'll, that's I'll kind of it. my a, a big part of my um, kind of vibe is to to you know really reassure people that like, let me worry about this. Right. You have a lot of other things going on, yeah. like a lot, a lot of other things going on. It's a reassuring this is, voice. This is patch making. Uh-huh. I got this. Right. Um. And now you know this is t-shirt printing. This is garment decorating. Whatever. Right. So we you're expanding this. into that stuff? Yes. Yeah. And um, I have uh, I have an employee starting next week. Wow. That is uh, going to be, um, you know, as, as, as it is uh, kind of designed right now, going to be the real T 
T-shirt printer. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep pushing. There's I just, no going back now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's once you start getting employees, it's, sh- there's a real. lot. There, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of uh, spiraled out of control from 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 what it initially started with. But uh, you know, looking back, I'm like totally surprised and like not at all surprised. Like, yeah, I I think it's great. Um, product wise, the thing that we do the most of is um, I would say police patches. Yeah, like just in real general. real police patches? No. Okay. Movie police patches. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I think that that probably is – that takes a really high uh, percentage of what, what actually goes on on a day-to-day basis. Um, who does the real ones? They, I don't know. Who, who has that contract? I wonder. <laughs> and um, and I've, I've been looking into like what it, what it would take to be you know certified to take on government contracts and things like that. However, yeah, I guarantee they are not made – Stateside. Yeah, it's probably like coming in from China, huh? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Which, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. No, I know what you mean, though. But yeah. you're an artist and yeah. uh, you're not going to do patches for 10 cents. I, I uh, cannot, will not. You yeah. know, it's 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 an impossibility. Um, yeah. No, that's good. You don't want government contracts. It's more fun to work on I, Baby Driver. <laughs> it is more fun to work on Baby Driver and Karate right. Kid. and. Oh, what'd you do uh, for that? Oh, oh man. That was, there was tons of stuff in that, I bet. Okay. So I get a call. It was like – so the other thing is like I, when when it comes to my film clients, like if, if we have a rapport and uh-huh. like are, have been working together, um, you know, I will totally answer my phone on a Sunday um, because yeah, like they – Yeah, you know how it goes. Yeah. They, they, they really don't have the luxury of being like, sorry, I guess she'll get back to me on Monday. Right. Um, and they get you work. And yeah. I mean seriously, if you wait 20 minutes, you might – Miss the boat entirely. Yep. Um, but calls me and is like, hey, this guy Theo, this awesome guy, uh, calls me and is like, hey, Katie, uh, I'm, you know, we're just starting Cobra Kai, the new Karate Kid, which uh-huh. is on YouTube Red, I believe. And um, he's like, we are in kind of a pickle. Nobody will take this job. Uh, we need to replicate Johnny Lawrence's gi 10 times. Wow. And And, and then he says, if I come and meet you at your shop first thing in the morning with Johnny's original gi, uh-huh. <laughs> can you do what you got to do and make replicas of all those patches? Yeah. And I don't remember my response in exactly, but I was just like, I will die a thousand deaths <laughs> before I fail you at this. And so I— You just said, yes, sensei. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. That's the only answer. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, next morning, you know, I was— I was like, is this really going to happen? And he brings me the gi yeah. and is like, here it is. And I, you know, take measurements. I make note of all the um, the color choices and, and, and yada, yada. And then I replicated uh, all of those patches stitch for stitch. Wow. Like I spared no detail. Yeah. I was in it. Like not just camera passable. I was like, this is going to be. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> and, uh, and that, I mean, and I knocked it out in a week, which is pretty uh, – it's 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 actually a surprising amount of work, but um, oh, I'm sure. But yeah, it, it, I take a lot of pleasure from that project. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I need to check that out. I saw a uh, a trailer for it the other day, and I was like, man, why am I not watching this? I need to get into that. I yeah, I haven't watched it. I've I've watched a few seconds of it, and then I didn't anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you certainly saved my ass, um, and I know you probably thought I was crazy. Uh, this weird podcaster who has to have this last chance garage patch. Yeah. 
but it was uh, – and, you know, I <laughs> I went over to your place a bunch uh-huh. and you – you probably thought I was nuts. So no, no, how no, big no. of a deal it was. No, honestly, I didn't because it's like I, I the thing I got immediately was like, oh my God, somebody who actually gives a shit about this as much as I do. Yeah. Like <laughs> it really values it. Yeah. There's really you know, you can't you can't buy that kind of, you know, client. It's it, Yeah. Uh, I was just like knocked out. I mean, Karen, um I, I think everyone's heard this story, but you know, I lost my my Last Chance Garage had an Austin, Texas at South by and was devastated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was just a hat. And yeah. I was starting to no, wrap. No, I was touched. I was starting to wrap my head around the fact that it was gone forever. Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it was not like that That hat became a part of my identity because of stuff you should know. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, I wore it a lot, but it wasn't like in my private life, it wasn't like this is my hat. Yeah. It became part of the brand. Mm-hmm. And that was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, people were used to seeing me in it. Mm-hmm. And then it went away, and I was really sad. And Karen Freed said, oh, no, no, no. You just need to get in touch with Katie Culp. I was like, <laughs> who is this person? She was like, oh, Katie, you know how Karen is. Yeah, I do. Like, oh, Katie, she's, she can totally do this, like, in, in her sleep. Yeah. I was like, all right, but it's got to look exactly like it. You know, and she was like, yeah, yeah, just give her a call. Yeah. And sure enough, man, I mean, it was perfect. Yeah, and now I've got like six of those hats. Yeah, I I take uh I take a lot of pride in that, and also I've seen Karen Freed like three times this week so far. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I do work with her a good bit, and uh, and as well, you know, it's it's a it's a treasure to be her friend. Karen's uh, to, great. Like, actually, um, myself, Mallory Coleman, Karen Freed, Janae Rosine, uh-huh. all stuff you should know. People, we all had uh, dinner this last weekend. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, Who's it was super Janae? fun. Janae, Janae, she does costumes. Uh, she also her I don't her know if I know her her most recent gig so her first gig was on stuff you should know um, oh just well then I probably do know her you, yeah you do um but I'd rec- recognize her yeah recently her um she's an aging and dying and um my one of my favorite things this is actually one of my favorite jobs that I've ever heard of is uh, she recently was uh, the uh, up until what she's working on now. Uh, was the age or dire for Walking Dead. Yeah, so, explain to people what that is because that sounds yeah, very uh, copy. sad. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, aging and dying is um, is a position in the wardrobe department where um, somebody takes the clothing and, um, you know, you can't just take something off the rack yeah. and throw it on Rick. He's going to, you know, look it looks, in. Yeah, it's got to look lived in. zombie apocalypse. Yeah, it's got to look lived in and bled on and uh-huh. brained on. And so that was Janae's whole shtick for um, so The Walking Dead. I know. I'm like, that is one of the coolest jobs I've ever heard of. And a real, like, skill and art form mm-hmm. to do it right. Yeah. And she's doing it for uh, another project right now, whose title escapes me. Interesting. So that's all she does, aging and dying. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure there's other things that go with the job, but it's. I need to know. get her in here then. Yeah, I think people should hear about that process. Absolutely. In depth. Oh yeah, That's yeah. Cool. I think I think it's in, incredibly interesting. I, I love, uh, and of course, she's somebody that I, you know, we we actually her and Mallory and I all went to the same high school. Oh really? Yeah. All right. That was my next question. Yeah. Mallory and I met in seventh grade in Mr. Kirkland's You're science class. Me. I'm not kidding. That's so adorable. Yeah. Oh man, I love that. I know. Yeah. And we're just kind of insta friends, or we were. I think we were insta acquaintances. Like we never had anything wrong with each other. I think I went to one of her birthday parties, and I uh-huh. remember her family dog when it was really young. And um, but really, we kind. You know, we were good acquaintances, and it really took until like late college for us to oh, become. Yeah. 
bonded. Um, on, well, that's and, when you're figuring out who you are, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. And and oddly enough, it was it was right around that time when she um, had those uh, allergy episodes, and so right, I was mustard. I was totally there for the mustard, <laughs> the mustard, uh, mustard gate. Man, uh, that's yeah, <laughs> mustard gate. Yeah, it that was story. It was bad. Um, but hey. We got to keep Mallory. Yeah, exactly. So, she might be in Finland right now for all we know. Yeah, exactly. Mallory's great. That was I really enjoyed talking Jurassic Park with her. That was a fun one. Uh, she's the best. I, I really enjoyed listening to that episode because, like, I mean, her working in film and, and me being an entrepreneur, it's like we yeah. really never see each other. Right. Um, and so it was like a treat. I was like, oh, hell yeah, this episode is two and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah. I just get to listen to Mallory talk for a while. Right. I love it. Yeah, that's so much fun. Um, so were you like – have you always been into movies and stuff even growing up? I was – growing up, I was more of an outdoor kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a, a softball kid and then I became a, oh. a voice – I loved singing, choral singing, things oh, yeah? like that. Yeah. You can sing? Yeah, I can. Nice. My um, wife was a show choir. Yeah. So she's all about it. Yeah. Yeah. Does she watch like the Pitch Perfect stuff? Because I totally love that stuff. <laughs> no, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. She doesn't – I mean, she loves musicals. Yeah. I'm a big fan of group singing She has, y- Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like uh, – I mean, I, I'm starting to get chill bumps thinking about like when you get those vocal harmonies layered on each other. Mm-hmm. Or there's nothing more powerful than seeing like 100 people singing at once. Yeah. It's just really something else. Uh, this is kind of like kind of diving off the deep end, but it's like my I'm I'm extremely passionate about getting group singing back in my life. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like you know, I grew up doing all state choir. Yeah. You know, all the choirs. I did everything I could. I was um, in church choir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'm a, you know. You reformed. I'm a reformed. <laughs> I'm a reformed person now. But I mean, but that's part of it. I remember being at an all state um, choir thing, and then the conductor kind of ha- threw a little fit and. Um, as they do, and uh, <laughs> and he was like, "You stupid kids don't realize that when you grow up, you're not going to be able to do this anymore. There's no oh, more group singing." And he was right. In my heart, I was like, <laughs> "You know, what does this old guy know about me? Right. I'm a Christian, so we'll always <laughs> sing." And uh, and um, well, you that's know, true. You go to church. You, can you sing go to every church. Week. You get to sing, uh-huh. and and that was my favorite part. But uh, but yeah, no. So you know, it turns out I grew up, and I was like, ah. Oh, like, yeah, I really miss this in my life. But what I did was I organized a few people and uh-huh. we did this thing called Singing Club where um, I had – it was myself, um, this friend and uh, – this friend named uh, Jared uh-huh. and um, uh, Jane who um, – was a pianist, and we would come up with like a theme, and then create a playlist around that theme, and then wow. it, and it was at the workshop at That's Tony's the old shop. Thing, really? Yeah, and and if you remember, it's kind of shaped like a basilica, and it yeah, has the yeah, big. Yeah. It had they, paid, you know, sure, they paved it now. over. It's gone, but they had that big stained glass, um, uh-huh. you know, situation going on at the at the back end, and uh, so I set it up kind of like a church, and then had like two rolling white walls, and projected the lyrics onto oh the walls. Oh my gosh! Jane played the piano, and you know it was it was great. We did themes. The themes were um, uh, betrayal was the first one. Uh-huh. So um, and uh, you know we'd just invite people in, and it would you know no solos, no it's yeah. all like kind of top forty ish hits, um, where you could just sing. And um, wow, yeah. Anyway, suffice to say, I wasn't watching a lot of movies when I was younger. Uh-huh. I was really, really Singing. focused on this kind of stuff. But it's something that I'd like to see happen again in That's my adulthood. Awesome. Um, but we did four or five of these events. Uh-huh. They were great. 
I yeah, I'd love to do that again with money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing about choral stuff is that um, it's pretty lo-fi. You know, you mm-hmm. get people that can sing together. And you don't need – I mean, I guess a piano player is nice. Yeah. But you can always do the acapella thing too. Exactly, yeah. It was super fun. Um, the second episode was Rain and uh, we, of course, sang uh, Purple Rain. Oh, man. And then Prince died that night. What? It was sad. Wow. Yeah. Why'd you kill Prince? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. But it made it more special the, uh-huh. next, the next day, Being you know, thinking about sure, it. It's like yeah. I'm glad that we – chose – we had an opportunity. We had the space and the moment in time to be able to pull something like this off. And uh, and I think that um, it, it kind of validated for me that it's worth doing. Yeah. It's totally worth doing. Yeah. I've been going down a rabbit hole lately with uh, listening to uh, – well, there's a show called Classic Albums. It was a BBC documentary series where they take like an album from a group and just kind of break down the making of that record. But invariably, in each episode, they will um, they will be in the studio and they will isolate like different parts of the track. Mm-hmm. But they'll isolate like backing vocals and stuff, mm. and it's just so cool to hear. I'd like that. Um, yeah, you should watch the. Uh, I don't know if you're into Elton John, but the Goodbye Yellowbrick Road episode. It's I always just assumed because there's so many backing vocals that are so great. It was just like, yeah, he hired like eight ladies and like four dudes, but it's the three guys in his backing band. Mm-hmm. that did every single backing track on that album. That's so great. Uh, and they just sound like amazing together and they would layer it on top of each other and it's just, it's still one of my favorite things. Yeah. Because I love to sing too. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you, I th- you are a musician, right? Don't you have a Yeah, I got like an old band? man band. Yeah. And I'm, I'm the lead singer there and play rhythm guitar, but I That's sing in great. church choir and like Emily and I are constantly singing at the house. Yeah. And like we sound, we harmonize really well together. <sighs> I'm so jealous of that. Like we can just lock into that... Uh, that thing. And my brother and I, he's a better singer than I am. I think siblings sort of had that wow, cool. g- genetic ability to lock in. Cool. So it's always a lot of fun. More yeah. singing. More singing. I agree. Always. Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock. He constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. Hey, it's Ben, Henry, and Marcus, hosts of The Last Podcast on the Left. Our show's dedicated to uncovering hilariously horrifying stuff. And now we're only on Spotify. Join, Join us. us. If you want. Obviously, we'd never force anyone to just blindly... Join us. That'd be crazy. But if you like stories about doomsday cults who do exactly that and more, please... Join, Join us. us. On Spotify. Visit Spotify.com slash Last Podcast to listen free. Another thing I love about A League of Their Own, there's a lot of singing. Yeah. Well, shit, let's talk about it because I had so much fun watching this again last night. Mm-hmm. It had been a long, long time since I'd seen it. Um, and it's one of those movies that I saw for sure all the way through back then. But I don't know if all the way through ever again until last night. Yeah. Certainly a lot of pieces and parts over mm-hmm. the years, like when it's on. Yeah. It's one of those. Where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll totally watch 30 minutes of this. Mm-hmm. But um, – 
to deep dive into it last night was I just had a blast. Yeah. It's such a movie movie. Yeah. Like kind of a throwback to um, – and I love my like gritty indies, but I love a sweet, sentimental, big Hollywood movie like this too. Agreed. Yeah. I, I have nothing – I have nothing but love for this movie. I, I don't even know where to start really. It's it's Well – 1992 is a good place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it had a bit of an 80s aesthetic still um, in the beginning, like with the bookend stuff. Mm-hmm. It still kind of felt kind of 80s. But, um, yeah, well, it was, it was set in 1988 is when it started. Oh, OK. Was it? Yeah, because um, Dottie Henson is, you know, in – opens, you know, to her bedroom and her daughter's trying to kind of convince her to go. Right, right. And um, so it's 1988 and that's when uh, the – you know, All American Girls Professional Baseball League was doing their uh, meetup the and, fame, and the, uh, follow, the Hall of Fame opening, and so, so yeah. I mean, it was late eighties, but gotcha, eighties nonetheless. Man, um, I didn't realize until I read today that there, um, the woman who played Dottie and the woman who played uh, Kit as older ladies, mm-hmm. they actually dubbed their, their voices, voices yeah. because it was sort of uncanny. I was watching it. Yeah. And I was like, man, she's really giving me a Gina Davis vibe. Yeah. And she looks enough like her. I was like, but what, what's going on here? Yeah. And when I was a kid, I, I, I was certain that it was it was aging makeup. And um, yeah. I, don't, I don't know that anybody's that good. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, so, but was... now as an adult, I know that they uh, dubbed the voices, which. Well, all the casting for the older parts um, were, was great. Mm-hmm. Like everybody. I mean, we'll get to the end. I can't even talk about it now because yeah. I can't cry this soon in an episode. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but of course, uh, John Lovitz and David Strathern, who uh, I love David Strathern, and it was interesting in this movie to see him as sort of a kind of a bad guy at first mm. to a certain degree, although he comes around at the end and like wants to save the league. Yeah. But and at first, um, he's sort of the heavy, you know, like you got to wear these skirts, you got to, yeah. you know. He was the taskmaster, I guess. Yeah. My favorite line when he's trying to explain that, he's like, Right now, there are you know thirty some odd women uh, getting a train ticket home who would play in a bathing suit if I asked them to. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. you guy. I know. But yeah, but you're right. You know, he totally has his. Uh, he he is redeemed in the end. Yeah, and it's an interesting thing here because it is an empowering film for women, to be sure. Yeah. But it also didn't shy away from the fact that you know, in that time period, they might have been asked to. Sure. Wear a bathing suit. Yeah. And they were sort of selling the sexuality of it mm-hmm. here and there and uh, buying into it a little bit because they wanted to sell tickets as well. Yeah. But I don't feel like they like fully sold out. Yeah. You know, as have, a collective. Have you watched the documentary? No, I want to. It's on Amazon Prime. Is it? Yeah. It's, okay. And it's like 30 minutes. Um, But it's it's really, you know, watching that as an adult, having watched A League of Their Own a million times as a kid – um, it, it it's almost like wow that's it's it's all kind of too perfect but they they really um, was it pretty close to the it's, the real stuff it's pretty there are elements here and there like there's there's a sister combo where you know uh, you know say they wanted one and the you know they kind of came as a package deal right right kind of thing um, like in the movie the you get to meet the uh, the the writers of the victory song and oh, uh, cool. and really the documentary is what inspired uh, Penny Marshall to make a league of their own oh really yeah and um and so she takes that on and th- 
the uniforms are obviously the, the one of the best parts of the entire movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and one of the, one of the things that the in the documentary, one of the players said, she was like, you know, we didn't really care for them so much back then. They were wool, they were silk, right? Um, and uh, you know, it felt a little ridiculous. However, looking back on it, it kind of elevated the game in 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 a certain sense, and, oh, and, and you know, made it more of an iconic experience. Huh. So, and the uniforms, uh, the the costumes for the movie, I mean, it's dead on. Yeah, they look great. Um, and yeah, I mean, dirt in the skirt. Yeah, yeah. How, do you, how do you not? <laughs> well, I also saw too that um, apparently the bruise on. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, uh, what was her character's name? Which one was Alice? she? Alice. Yeah, Alice was yeah. real. Yeah. Can you believe that shit? I can totally believe that. Oh, man, it was so gnarly looking. Yeah. And it, to the point where you're like, no, you kind of overdid it. Right. Like, makeup department. Yeah. Like, back off a little bit. Yeah. But that was real. That's crazy. And um, and and again in the documentary, like what what I found so entertaining is you know they they had of course a you know one minute segment about all the injuries and how they yeah. had to keep playing. Um, but uh, but what I loved so much is they they kind of in in that m- moment with with Alice they recreated a real shot from oh, a really? player kind of like laying back leg crossed over uh-huh. and people are kind of like helping her out with her whole huge yeah, yeah. strawberry situation. Jeez. Yeah. So that that kind of stuff about the movie and the documentary I find really uh, satisfying yeah, to watch. Absolutely. Um. But yeah, and but and I especially felt it was uh, important because that's of course what gave Penny Marshall the the inclination to do this. Yeah. Um. And really, until that, I mean, I was came out in '92, so I was I haven't done this math yet. Like six uh, when it came out, so I probably saw it somewhere between six and ten for I the first in, time. That was like a junior in college. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> um, Making me feel old. I know, but like, um, did you see it when you were at six? I, I I was probably closer to ten. Okay, so yeah. like a VHS run. Yeah, we totally we owned the VHS, wore that out. Oh, I'm sure. And um and really up until that point and kind of mostly stay, still um I'd never really seen an all female cast or yeah. at least you know the what's the Bechtel yeah, test? Yeah, the, the Bechtel test. Uh-huh. The Bechtel, you know. To uh, having a movie with uh, two or more women speaking to each other, or two or more women who even have names, right, um, is kind of such a rarity. And to have this, uh, it's depressing, it isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> I think I, I really like the trend of what's going on, and in, in, um, in terms of, uh, in in terms of kind of leveling out that representation for sure. But when I was a kid seeing this movie, it's like I'd never found something I found more relatable. Yeah. Um, because I'm seeing, you know, older versions of me up there. And, yeah. and I did play softball. Um, and, in fact, I did play uh, – my older sister Kelly and I, we both played boys baseball oh, cool. as well yeah. because softball, you know, had kind of a longer off season, and um, my dad didn't have any sons and uh, it's it was more competitive and Kelly wasn't – Excellent. Kelly is totally the Dottie Henson of the family. Oh, really? And then I'm like uh, like the kit, except for I never I never got a homer, like ever. Uh-huh. So um <laughs> but anyway, so I've just found it I found this movie so relatable for so many reasons and uh just really latched onto it. Yeah. I mean ahead of its time for sure. Mm-hmm. Um but also hard to believe that it took that long to make this story. Because mm-hmm. just his history wise is such a great story. Yeah. Um and it, you know, it's got it all. It's a World War II movie in some ways. And it's interesting because that's sort of um, like you kind of forget about it because it doesn't do the like uh, 
whole letters from home thing a lot yeah. or show mm-hmm. the husbands at all. Um, that one just devastating scene, though. Betty Spaghetti. Oh, my God. Which yeah. is uh, Penny Marshall's daughter, right? I didn't know that. Yeah, that's um, uh, – what's her first name? Tracy Reiner. That was her daughter with Rob yeah. Reiner. Yeah. Um, that scene was so infuriating last night to me because, you know, they get the letter that says, like, one of your husbands been killed in action. Mm-hmm. And that – shithead delivery guy wants to leave with this it. This is official business. <laughs> yeah. And so Dugan does the right thing. Yeah. But then he takes so long and I'm like, God, just say it. Yeah. Like yeah. that long really walk. Really drew it out. He must be pretty bad at reading. Uh, but I mean, I get it. It's a movie. Yeah. It really heightened the drama. It but did. it was such a devastating scene. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Truly. And 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 you kind of forget that that's going on in the backdrop to some degree. Yeah, like, like a lot of these women are have been left alone mm-hmm. and aren't in great contact because Gina Davis at one point is like, I think he's in Italy, yeah, but I haven't heard in a while, mm-hmm. and he has to reassure her like he's okay, yeah, and then of course the Betty Spaghetti um, situation happens, and you know we we don't see her again, but the next scene is uh, Gina Davis just kind of having. A full breakdown, like we haven't really seen yeah. her or um, anyone have like. Uh, other than, of course, Betty for good reason. Right. But, um, but then, of course, enters just perfect timing, enters Bill Pullman. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Of all people, I forgot I know. he was in it's it. It's like, Bill Pullman. When I saw him. And, dude, I forgot that Madonna was in this movie. Yeah. Somehow I forgot. Yeah. And when she popped up, I was like, holy shit, I forgot Madonna was in this. Isn't she great? She is. And, you know. She's never been accused of being the best actor, but she does a really good job in this. Yeah, I really, I, I have no, no, uh, no criticisms of uh, Madonna's, uh, Madonna's performance. Um, and yeah, just she the was whole really like good. tag team combo with her and Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah, what a riot! It was pretty fun. Yeah, that was really fun. And uh, I saw some kind of like uh, promo footage of when they were kind of like you know. Film when they were filming like the big stadium scenes and they needed to fill seats, they would have like the weather station would come down and be like, "Hey, everybody, come out to the stadium and right. like bring your kids." I'm like, you know, it's it's free. Uh-huh. Um, Madonna's <laughs> here, but um, but what I, one of the funny things that, that they did was uh, Madonna wouldn't speak to any uh, any. Well, Madonna, of course, has been accused uh, many times and. And certainly uh, from this filming experience, but yeah, the, she's she's not always the locals' favorite. I read about that. Yeah, I and, was disappointed to hear that. Which honestly, but it is Madonna. Here's my perspective. Uh huh. It's Madonna, right? Like in get, like the get middle it together. of Indiana. Yeah. So this weather reporter is like, "Oh, come on, Madonna, sing us a song, sing us a song," and she's like, duck behind Rosie O'Donnell, she's not delivering. Do that. Yeah, she's like delivering her like lines to Rosie, and they, they got this kind of bit going on with uh, the uh, okay. with the weather guy. But of course, he he of course is like, "Oh, just one song from your upcoming album, Madonna." Yeah, you know, just like, shut the fuck up, dude. Just get out of here. Madonna's not going to sing on your yeah. news program. <laughs> yeah, you are not going. Like, this is not about you, man. But um, no, I totally agree. But yeah, no, the the Madonna Rosie O'Donnell thing it was awesome. Yeah, they, had, they were a lot of fun to watch. You know, what, she, uh, Madonna's a taxi dancer, uh, or May, all the way May is a taxi dancer, right. you know, and a ball player. And then uh, Doris, of course, was the bouncer from the club that she used to right. taxi dance at. <laughs> uh, yeah, which is anything funner than the dancing scene? Oh, my God, dude. I have in here 
dancing scene with all caps. Yeah. It was great. Where what what little town did they find all of these agile young yeah, men sure. in? You is that a, is that a, a little Is that bit. a time thing or, or did we just get lazy or, or was yeah. that was the most probably the most unbelievable part of the entire movie is but that also a throwback dance. to the great like sort of mm-hmm. World War II jitterbuggy yeah. sort of dance sequences. Yeah. It was great. And and the dude in there too, I I'm sure um cuz you're a lot younger than I am. Then you probably didn't watch Laverne and Shirley. I didn't, but I'm aware. But the guy, <laughs> I her had main, Nick at night. <laughs> her main dance partner was uh, in Laverne and Shirley. Mm-hmm. He was the big ragu. Yeah, who was a very prominent cast member. So I didn't realize that until last night either. There were a lot of people kind of peppered through this. Like uh, Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley was the radio broadcast booth announcer. Ah, and then the big ragu was in it. Uh huh. And then. Um, some of the other faces, like Tia Leone was in it. Huh. And she was on one of the other teams. And she popped up. I was like, oh, my God, that's Tia Leone. Yeah. And she didn't even – I don't even know if she got a – I mean, I'm sure she got a credit, but she didn't have a line. Yeah. Uh, and Ann Cusack, Joan Cusack's sister. Yep. Oh, that scene. Mm-hmm. So sad when she couldn't read. Yeah. And but... they, and she, they like, took care of each other. That was like – one of the best parts of the movie, I think. Yeah. And then they did – and they like I love that they touch on kind of – like they don't really spend a whole lot of time kind of harping on kind of the systematic um, problems that were kind of right. like going on um, back then, which I mean – that could be an entire movie of itself yeah. is, is the the same story but from the perspective of a woman who can't read or any woman of color. Right. You know, these are these are also stories but A League of Their Own really kind of touched on um, on these things. And I and, and, and in the case of um, of uh, Shirley's reading. Oh, man. The that scene was so tough. But they then there's the scene on the bus later with yeah. Madonna teaching her how to read. It's like the pulp, like a, a, uh, like, yeah, sexy like pulp a, novel. A, a smutty magazine. It's just like, um, yeah, slowly getting her to, to read what is um, – you know, some pretty racy material. And then I, my favorite part is when they kind of pan the camera out and then Madonna's like, it gets really good after this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, they did take care of each other, though, but didn't make a big deal about it. it like, it was just sort of very believable, I think. And um, I think it would have suffered if they would have, like, kind of drawn too much attention to it. Yeah. It was like sort of these quiet moments mm-hmm. where um, Anne Ramsey from Mad About You I uh, can't remember her character name, but she's the one that steps up and helps her find her name on the roster. Mm-hmm. And it was just a nice little moment, you know. Yeah. But it wasn't, you know, the strings didn't swell. It wasn't some big deal. Yeah. It was just like these ladies that had each other's backs. Man, that's how ladies do it. I know. I, I'm i a big fan. I'm a big fan. Big fan of ladies? <laughs> big fan. Yeah. <laughs> I also, each other's backs? Yeah. I, I have recently had the experience of, of, of actually being, you know, it's hard to be able to be on any kind of a team when you're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but I was able to be linked up with the Women's Entrepreneurship Initiative, which oh, is cool. the um, it's the only city funded or city um, you know affiliated initiative in the nation mm-hmm. um, dedicated to uh, you know putting women in a cohort together. Yeah. And uh, I have you know it's it's like being on a team, right. you know, for the first time as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, but having it's you know fifteen entrepreneurs, fifteen months, and uh, wow, yeah, we get to share a space. Well, I of course have to run my machinery at another location, but 
there's a space within the Flatiron building oh, cool. uh, where, you know, we can all convene and, you know, act as a team even though yeah. we're all separate things. And it's just something like I like I don't I don't know what men do in their fancy men meetings and their fancy <laughs> men sports. I don't but like, either. I <laughs> But like but I just I don't know that I I don't know that I've ever witnessed that kind of helping each other attitude. Yep. Um, that, I think you're right. That I mean, I I don't. Yeah. I mean, I guess quote me on it or whatever. But I don't have any stats to show that. But well, you know what the the rich white guys take care of each other by literally passing laws to yeah, ensure that they stay true. rich white guys. That's true. It's a collective like, oh well, don't worry now. Yeah. You're in the club. God, I don't and can because we can r- do the legislation to ensure it. I can't decide if I do or don't want to be a part of a secret society in my life. I can't decide. Well, you know, my wife is a small business owner. Yeah. And, uh, Mama, and, right? Yeah, and employs, you know, like probably 17 or 18 women. And, um, it, you know, it's it's tough yeah. to have a bunch of employees. Yeah. But, I mean, ladies helping ladies. Yeah. Nothing like it. Ideally. <laughs> We can talk about the ins and outs of business after this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, another thing I really appreciate about this movie, I am uh, kind of a sucker for a good sports movie. and uh, But the the athleticism has got to work. Yeah. Or else you don't buy it. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, one of my other favorite baseball movies is Bull Durham. And I, that movie works in spite of the fact that Tim Robbins doesn't, to me, I love him, that movie. But he doesn't sell – that he's a baseball pitcher, mm-hmm. and I was able to overlook it. But everyone in this movie really sells yeah. the baseball. Yeah. And, like, that tryout scene uh, that's, is just fucking great. I get I get goosebumps every time they walk. You know, John Lovett's uh, Ernie Cappadino is walking uh, Marla Kit and Dottie oh, into, when they first go in. into the, the tryout. So you know, for, before that, everything's kind of like kind of a, a brownish tone, uh-huh. dusty. Um, traveling Oregon kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then you you walk out into this. You were kind of walking out with them onto this field. Yeah. That is just green, green, yeah. green. It's the biggest field, and there are all, all of a sudden there are all these women there that have been that are doing so cool. what you've been doing the whole time. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just I love the tryout scene. He was funny in that scene too because oh, he, he was just like go. It's been a thin <laughs> slice of heaven. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's ridiculous. And I, I can't imagine anybody else playing that role. I know. I read that, like, Danny DeVito was, like, uh, oh, I considered. That. Yeah, I could see it. Actually, now that you mention it. <laughs> yeah, that would have been funny. But, um, but Lovitz is great in that part. Yeah. And Penny Marshall wouldn't audition anyone who couldn't play. Yeah, that's what I heard. Except for Gina Davis. <laughs> Gina Davis yeah. is the only non-player coincidentally. Because she replaced Deborah Winger, right? That's what I read is that Deborah Winger was cast. And, and then, then the timing didn't work out. Right. So Gina Davis had like a couple of weeks mm-hmm. to learn uh, what everyone else had been sort of training for months doing. Yeah. And uh, – Let's talk about Gina Davis. <sighs> OK. Like – Yeah. The best. She's uh, – I don't know if you know um, Jesse Thorne, the show Bullseye. No, He's, a, he's another podcaster. But he has an interview show called Bullseye and he – interviewed Gina Davis. Wow. And he was like, I don't, and I know people in his office and they're like, I don't know if anyone, and they've had just legends from all walks of politics, music, movies, film, TV. 
And they, he said, I don't know if anyone had ever been like the office was more amped up than when Gina fucking Davis came in. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I got to know. And he was like, she was the best. Wow. And she held court with everyone in the office. And then everyone was like, she's like the coolest aunt that we all wish we had. Wow. Like everyone in the world has a crush on Gina Davis. Of I course. Think. Yeah. She's got that perfect, like, 105-degree jawline. Yes. And, like, I mean, I don't know. She's, she's, like, 11 feet tall. I know. And she's just so funny. Mm-hmm. Like, I think she's totally underrated yeah. as an actor and as a comedian. Like, yeah. she's, there's so many lines in yeah. this. She kills it. The one I have uh, – I've highlighted some of my favorite lines. One is when she does the math. He said, there are – this many teams and this many women. She kind of 64 women. 64 girls. <laughs> 64 girls. Yeah. What are you, a genius? No, I could quote the whole movie. Yeah. And then the other great line, you know something? You're not nice. Yeah. That was just such a funny line. Yeah. You know something? You're not nice. Um, uh, yeah. And, uh, of course, she taught me the word constipated when she's talking about, you know, the Walter Har- Walter Hart. You know Walter Harvey? You know the candy? Yeah, Harvey bars. We feed them to the cows when they get constipated. And I'm like, <laughs> like, what does that mean? Now I know. But um, but that's interesting too. Like, I love that they they uh, kind of made their own candy conglomerate, and you know, in yeah. order to replace the Philip Wrigley element of the real story. Oh, is that who it was? So Philip, yeah, Philip Wrigley. Um, the chewing gum empire. The from the chewing gum empire, you know, in effect sponsored the whole uh, gotcha. all American pro- girls professional baseball league. Yeah. Um, back in the forties. Uh, so, yeah, Walter Harvey, the Philip K. Wrigley. Um, played by Gary Marshall. Played by Gary Marshall, yeah. Keeping it in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the scene in the gym when they introduce Marla yeah. when she's just roping those baseballs yeah. all over the place. And uh, it's a really sweet scene with her dad, you know. It's yeah. like she's getting picked on all the time because of her looks and yeah. it's just – you know, and I know she gets— John Lovitz has the nerve, the nerve Which to line? pick on— uh, to, Oh, In no, general, to pick on her for her looks. I totally thought that same thing. I was like, dude, are you kidding me? Yeah. But it's the character, of course. Yeah. Which, you know, you want to kind of hate that guy a little bit. Yeah, but you love—and and he gets his redemption in the end, you know, even— was it? I think it was Marla's, um, you know, character in, in, in the 80s uh, kind of— Flash forward. Flash forward. Yeah. You know, she's like, Ernie, you changed my life. Like, they kind of have right. this moment where it's all good. Yeah, and she's yeah, all, yeah. Well, she got married. She got married to Nelson. Yeah. Which, you know, I don't know. Say what you will about the the validation from a man being what Marla needed. But it was a movie from 1992. Yeah. And they really didn't um, They really didn't hit the, the, you know, romantic comedy angle. I read that Columbia wanted it to be kind of a, a romance between Dugan and uh, Dugan and Dottie. Dottie. Um, but I was back and forth with that watching last night mm-hmm. because you can't help but think about it a little bit. Yeah. Because their chemistry is so sweet. Yeah. And they're really great with each other. But in the end, I was like, no. Yeah. Like, it's better this way. It would have ruined—it would have totally—like, what, she's going to leave Bill Pullman? Are you kidding me? Like, no. Well, plus he respected respected her as a baseball player. Yeah. And that was sort of the crux of the relationship, which was spot on. Yeah, and they they definitely have, like, kind of a flirty thing going on. Like, especially in the end, she reappears out of nowhere and— that's you know, a great he's like, yeah, and he's like, whoa, yeah. and then and she's like, you look like shit. Do you yeah. ever shave? Like, <laughs> well, she gives it to him. Yeah, that scene was interesting to me too because they, um, the the way the power dynamic is shifting back and forth in that scene because she shows up and then he kind of pulls a power move. He's like, oh well, who says you're playing? 
Yeah. And then she's like, oh, like kind of basically like, well, I can just leave then. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like then she pulls the power move. Mm -hmm. But the fact is that he needs her Mm -hmm. more than she needs him. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's just like there is like kind of a a real arc to their whole power dynamic in general. Yeah. Like um, I think one of my favorite moments in the whole movie uh, is when um, they're kind of fighting about giving the the batting signal so to, to Marla. It's a, one of the classic scenes. Yeah, but also my other favorite part about it is the music. Yeah, Hans Zimmer. Uh, uh, yeah. Like, yeah, he uh, he's always great. He's super great, and then as well, he really kind of assigns everybody something I realized as an adult. He's kind of assigns everybody their own little. Um, kind of section of music. Uh-huh. I mean, of, of course, I, there's a word for that, I'm sure. But, um, you know, Tom Hanks is kind of trombone and then oh, Gina Davis's character is like, and then like, so the that. back and forth between them is is also kind of a musical wow. back and forth too, which is really fun. Poor um, Marla. <laughs> yeah. Back, she, she's literally jumping back and forth it's from the so plate. It's so funny. There's so many iconic yeah. moments from this movie. I mean, there's no crying in baseball is, yeah. it was voted like, I think one of the top 50 like lines in any movie of all time. The delivery is so funny. Yeah. They're still crying. <laughs> She's crying, sir. Well, and then the umpire kind of gets on him, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he throws him out of the game. Yeah, uh, but but for oh. call, but not not for not for yelling at his teammate, mind you. Right. He gets he gets thrown out of the game for calling the umpire a penis with a little hat yeah, on. I, that's it's one of the highlighted so lines because it's sort of almost under his breath. Anyone ever tell you you look like a little penis with a hat on? Yeah. <laughs> um, another favorite line from Rosie. It's when she has a picture of her boyfriend, and I think she says, is that your boyfriend? She was like, is it out of focus? No, that's how he looks. Yeah. She's like, yeah, well, he's stupid and he treats me bad, so it's pretty great. <laughs> well, she gets rid of him though, right? She does. So long, Charlie. Uh, the team coming together montage is – I'm a big sports montage guy yes. as well. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, and I think that's right up there with like the Rocky training montage mm-hmm. as far as one of the greats. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, there's so many good uh, action montages in this yeah. movie. And, again, that's really where the the score kind of plays a, a pretty heavy role for me. Yeah. And, um, you know, kind of back and forth with these themes. Kit's kind of a trumpet sound. Uh, um, really? Yeah. Like – I'm not, I'm not gonna sit, I'm not gonna sit here and just like sound it all out, but I, but I could. Um, <laughs> I think people might want to hear that. Katie. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, they they do such a good job. It's 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 all action. You can really tell that they're actually, um, you know, out there throwing their weight around. Yeah. And it's, and the it's fans fun. start coming. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, after that iconic split for the cover of Time magazine, yeah, right? Dottie using her using her head. I know it is funny because like that's what I was saying. They did decide to like sell it a little bit, but it, they didn't. You know, Madonna at one point. It's like, you know, maybe, like, my breast could just spill yeah. out and everyone's kind of like, no. Don't do that. Like, that, that's too far. Yeah. No, the reaction <laughs> shot from from everybody else was pretty funny for me. They're yeah. just like, girl, like, no. Just yeah. no. <laughs> I read, too, that initially the um, that Madonna and Rosie were both supposed to be sort of all the way May types. Yeah. But then they cast Rosie O'Donnell and decided to play one off the other, mm-hmm. which I think worked out really well. I agree. Yeah, I love I love that dynamic. 
And it was kind of it was a good time for Rosie too. I mean, she had the Rosie O'Donnell show. Yeah, I don't. I don't I remember went to a which game of that once. Believe Did it or you not. really? <laughs> yeah. I loved that show. Like that's the show I would watch when I got home from school. Really, the freaking Rosie O'Donnell show. Yeah, I was living in New, yeah, New I had Jersey. The doll. And a friend had a ticket, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, why not? I'll go." Yeah, awesome. Yeah, she's she's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, you get the great uh, relationship arc and <clears throat> character arc with Kit too. Mm-hmm. I just have typed in here, poor Kit. Poor Kit. Yeah, like that that younger sibling, and like mm-hmm. you said, Gina Davis is eleven feet tall and just so striking, and yeah. she's the better athlete. Mm-hmm. And not in real life, obviously, you can tell Lori Petty yeah. is quite an athlete. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it, I really like the way they handled their relationship. Like they're so competitive. Yeah, and it's 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 not at all unreal. Like, and and it's not yeah. over the top. They're not like at each other's throats. Like there's highs, there's lows. Um, Kit calls her a bitch, which is cool. Yeah. Um, but and she also Gina Davis. I love at the end when they're um, uh, on opposite sides. Yeah. She goes to the mound, and that could have been the moment where she tells her to like groove her a pitch down the middle so mm-hmm. her sister can hit one. She's like, no, she can't hit the high one. Yeah. Like, but also they'd been on the same team for the whole season previous to that. True. You'd think that. Um, <laughs> you'd think what is it, Ellen Sue Gotlander? You'd think uh, that yeah. she would have noticed. Well, yeah, you got to yeah. kind of check that at the door a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, and then also Kit Kit has this kind of like um, this kind of wonky stance when she's at the bat. You yeah, know, she's up there, she's kind of swinging it around. She's uh-huh. really kind of got a weird angle going, and. Uh, and so, so yeah, which I mean, really leads up to the kind of that point that she's not really equipped to be the all star here. Yeah. But then, of course, in in the end, as we know, yeah, that, I feel like there could have been a few ways this that World Series could have ended, mm-hmm. um, satisfyingly even. Uh, and it was interesting that that it all came down to the sisters. Yeah, and. Uh, did Gina Davis drop it on purpose? Right. Did she? Did she? That's Did the question, right? Mm-hmm. You can't really tell from the shot. Yeah. But she's such a competitor. I, I, I don't know that it she was would a pretty, have. It was a pretty dramatic drop. Huh? Like the, like the, it was like, <laughs> yeah. it was like the uh, Snow White apple drop. Right. <laughs> oh, it was. It was. And, uh, and so I, I questioned that myself. What do you think? <sighs> I kind of think she did. Really? And let, I don't know. let little sis have one? I don't know. It's 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 I I still don't I I'm I'm not confident in that answer. Like I, of course growing up I always believed, yeah, no kid just like knocked her over. It was right. like pure muscle. She just I mean, which you saw the way she was running. Yeah. She was leaving just clouds of dirt behind her. <laughs> yeah. She was really digging. Yeah. She wanted it. And uh, and so that you know having that kind of momentum, I think yeah she could have done it, but the, the I don't know I think it's just the the drama of the dropping the ball that kind of makes me think oh, yeah she might have just done it on purpose. But it's just such a great sports movie mm-hmm. moment uh, for it to come down to those two. Yeah. In the end. And then and then there's a shot of um of Dottie and uh, Jimmy Dugan you know kind of watching this all. Kind of erupt, you know. the The crowd is cheering afterward. her name afterward. Yeah, and, yeah. And neither of them look terribly disappointed. Yeah, you know. But it, but that, that to me kind of says it. It, it might have been sincere because they they looked sincerely satisfied. Like, well, they did their job. Yeah, you know, they made the league a success. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of the. I mean, you want to win the games, but like, the, there was a bigger mission, I think, mm-hmm. which was to put themselves on the map. 
Yeah. And to make the league a hit, and they did. They sure did. You know, it was it was pretty cool. Um, I love how cranky Tom Hanks was with Stillwell. Yeah. And just that whole <laughs> Stillwell thing was yeah. so great. Yeah. <laughs> how ang- how mad he was until he finally just hits him in the face. Yeah. With a ball. And then he's gleeful about it. <laughs> I, know. I think he hit him with a glove. Oh, was, yeah, it was a glove. He threw yeah. a glove at him. But you can't do that to a kid in a movie these no, days. No, <laughs> they get mad. They get mad. There's a couple things that I don't think would fly, like uh, May poisoning uh, the chaperone's dinner. Oh, sure. I don't think that would fly anymore. Yeah, yeah. My other, the only other plot hole question I have is: Did they just, you know, the bus driver? Did they just leave him on the side of the road? Oh yeah. Well, he just stomped away like a big baby. He did. And he also threw dirt in uh, the chaperone's face, which is. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, she's like, please don't leave us. Like, come back. And he, like, bends down, picks up the thing of dirt, really? throws it, like, right in her mouth. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so I've so I, I've always I might been, have been like, taking a note when that happened. Yeah. That's like, aggressive. Yeah. It was, it was too much. And then, of course, Tom Wake, uh, Tom, Tom Waits, Tom Hanks, uh, you know, wakes up from his. Bender and decides to. You Why know, Tom be- Waits in that role? Yeah, right. That would have been pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm just picturing that now. He yeah, been great. <laughs> That's fun. I like that. But what are you saying? Tom Hanks wakes up and and you know from his bender and and uh, is like everybody get back on the bus. I'm driving now. Yeah, not a great idea, but. And Tom Hanks is sort of playing against type too. Yeah, for the time. I yeah. mean, he's always the ultimate nice guy. Mm-hmm. And to play sort of the washed-up drunk who doesn't care, mm-hmm. uh, of course, you know he's going to care. Yeah. And that's— I mean, in the beginning, he makes it perfectly clear how incompetent he's willing to be. Yeah. Like, which, uh, you know, you, you only get—I think the only other coach you really see is from Racine, and you don't really get that vibe from him. Right. But I, I can't imagine that many people, like, didn't get into it with, like, a, a great amount of skepticism. So right, sure. I, so it, it was it was nice to kind of to, to see that whole thing um, from beginning to end to how much he cared. Yeah, and it's cool. Like, it, you can, as a writer myself, you can always just chart out those plot points. And it's right at that 30-minute mark and the hour mark where mm-hmm. you see his big changes kind of coming. Mm-hmm. Where all of a sudden he's paying attention a little bit. And mm-hmm. again, I think it was nice and subtle. It wasn't like some – it could have been way more uh, melodramatic, I think, in parts. Mm-hmm. But Penny Marshall was just so skilled, I think, at being real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, there's a lot of good subtlety in there. Oh, yeah. Like, um, you know, I read that the studio also wanted to, uh, Dottie to save Dugan from his drinking. Right. And, Is that uh, why she gives him the soda? And instead she was like – She'll give him a soda. Yeah. But they made like a really good scene out of that. Yeah, yeah. Where, That's um, all you needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a very a very quenched Tom, you know, Tom Hanks. <sighs> yeah. You know. That was funny. It's funny. And then that's done and you get the impression that, okay, cool. That was that was a moment. And yeah, less is everybody's, more. Everybody's learning. Yeah, less is totally more. Uh, another one of my favorite moments and one of the great lines of the movie, I think, is when – um, Dugan and Dottie are talking at the end and she's just sort of like, you know, like I can leave baseball, mm-hmm. you know, and that whole thing. And he has that great line. The heart is what makes it great. Yeah. It's just like those, that's like sage wisdom for life. Yeah. You know? And he knew that she was full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> she loved it. She did. You know? She did. And, and then I know it's Bill Pullman. Yeah, it is. It is Bill Pullman. But, you know, um, 
Yeah, I, I wonder what that's all about, like, really with that character, because it's like there's there's certainly uh, – it must have been such an interesting time to be a woman because, you know, there are all these cultural expectations of you. But yeah. however, things have changed, you know. Mm-hmm. Every, most women are wearing a uniform in the, you know, early 40s right. of some sort. And, yep. um, and so, you know, there there's – something to be said about wanting to be like, okay, you know what, like, my husband's alive, like, we're good, like, we're gonna, we're gonna do the the good old American thing, but I, arguably, if, if, if it were up to me, I would have been, you know, on Kit's side and been like, no, this is the American thing, like, I'm yeah. gonna do this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something different and, uh, and, and, and try this thing. We have this moment in time. I'm going to do it. So, you know, I think they're probably both good choices. You never do see Dottie kind of pick up a mitt when she gets back on the, right. on the field with her friends. But um, but she yeah. does catch that baseball. Oh, God, that's a great moment too. Yeah. So badass. I know. Uh, and David Strathern has that great – I mean, the one thing I will knock it a little bit is his transformation was pretty fast. Yeah. There may have been some – sometimes I get a sense of deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. But his character shifts pretty quickly. Yeah, but before, in the right before direction Dugan, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But he has that great moment where he's talking to the to Gary Marshall, you know, the the uh, Harvey, and he's like, you know, we tell them to go to work and to go to the factories and to hit the baseball field and leave the kitchen, but when their husbands come back, we're telling them to get back in the kitchen, and like that's not right. Yeah, he's like, you've got a real thing here. Like, look around. Yeah, and then of course Walter Harvey is like, you want the men returning from war back to the kitchen? And it's like, can't we have both? <laughs> exactly. It's like, why? Why do we have to have like one or the other? Like, yeah. why, why is that? Why is that a thing? Yeah, yeah, that was good stuff though. Well, I guess we should talk um, a little bit about the end. Like, yeah. my God, I was a mess last night. Really? Yes. Tell me more, dude. I'm a, I'm a notorious. Uh, Crier. Yeah. Yeah. I cry most of the times I watch this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a notorious crier. It doesn't take much for me. I'm a very emotional dude. Mm-hmm. And um, you're dead inside if you watch the end of that movie and mm-hmm. aren't at least welling up. Yeah. Even if you're a stone cold non-crier, you've got to be welling up at the end of that movie with I a agree. reunion. It's yeah. just unbelievable. Yeah. And um, – and, and also, like, walking through the Hall of Fame and, and kind of getting an update on, you yeah. know, who's, who who made it, who didn't, um, you know. And, of course, Dottie, in, you know, finds Dugan's kind of cut out. Yeah. Or really, it was like a whole wall thing. Um, and you can tell by the inscription, I think he passed, like, the year before this yeah, reunion. Yeah, it was pretty close. So it's like, oh, that's a shame. Yeah. You know, I bet she would have really liked to see him again. Yeah, that was nice the way they did that, though, mm-hmm. I think. And then Shirley was a doctor. Yeah. You know, she couldn't read. No, she's a doctor. It was just such a great moment and so believable mm-hmm. and real. And, like, I know they peppered in some of the real women from the league and yes. some of the stuff. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. I um, I always try to try to pick them out whenever I'm watching. Uh, and then, of course, they, uh, the the kind of final moment between uh, Dottie and Kit happens because uh, <sighs> uh, Ellen Sue um, is – so she and Evelyn uh, are portraying these two um, players from from real life. Oh, really? Uh, Pepper Pear and um, Donna. I can't remember the other one's name, but they are the they're the two players who played for the Rockford Peaches, and they did write that victory song. Really? Yeah, it's wow. a real song. Yeah, and, that was so cool. When they and sang uh, it at the end. so I always love when they when they sing it in the movie. You know, at, at you know different intervals of the movie. 
Um, and uh, and then of course at the end, they all get to see it, sing it together again, which they're so they're proving to you that they can play, play ball at any league. But my argument is always you can or at any league at any age you can sing at any age. Yeah. So that's something that you know the. The cheers, the the songs, they'll always kind of connect this group of uh, yeah. women. So I, I always love to – I always love a good singing moment. I know. I really, really, really do. And that one was just perfect. It was really well done. And the lady they cast for May. And it's just – I mean there's something she about these good, reunions yeah. too. Mm-hmm. It was just like – it was it was hitting all of the buttons. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I did yeah, not it was a, a it was a little bit like boom, but a boom, but a boom, but a boom. But, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like I kind of got everything I needed in the right uh-huh. amount of time. And, uh, yeah. It's the perfect way to end it. And Kit and Dottie, it's weird. I got the, I didn't know, like, it almost felt like they lost touch or something. That's what I feel like they they were implying. Okay. Yeah. Because none of the kids were like, oh, there's Aunt Dottie. Um, yeah. Or, or maybe that happened right after or something, and this was that moment. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, even the beginning, they're establishing uh, – Dottie's daughter is establishing that um, she hasn't seen Aunt Kit in a really, really oh, long that's time. that's right. Yeah, I forgot and, about that uh, line. And then Do- Dottie is kind of um, dubious of Kit's husband, I guess. Right. Um, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. And so it, it very much would appear that they lost touch in a very real way. Yeah. But here they are again. Embracing. Well, they had uh, – after the game, I really enjoyed that scene between them because it was still sort of feisty, sisterly, mm-hmm. but also, you know, acknowledging one another and mm-hmm. it, it was cool. Yeah. What cool. a good movie. Mule, nag. Yeah, yeah. What a good callback like that. Oh, man. I just couldn't take that in scene. Yeah. Emily did not watch this with me. She wanted to, but she was busy. Ah. But she uh, – She'll get around to she it. She came down and made fun of me a little bit. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> it's like I can't help it, man. It's hitting all the buttons. Did you know that the first computer bug was an actual moth? Did you know that x-rays were used as entertainment at kids' birthday parties? I'm Marin. I'm Greg. And for our new podcast, Surprisingly Brilliant, we've been collecting some of the most shocking, inspiring, and downright bizarre stories from science history. From space mysteries to stolen dinosaurs, you'll find it in Surprisingly Brilliant from Seeker. Season 1 launches March 26th. Go subscribe now so you don't miss it, and listen to Surprisingly Brilliant on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Katie, we finish, as you know, with five questions. Okay. And let me go see here. I didn't have uh, – I got to think of one for you for the for the special one. But number one, first movie you remember seeing in a theater? Captain EO. Um, oh, okay. I was like five. Uh, we went to Disney. Yeah. First Epcot. It's the Michael Jackson thing, The Michael right? Jackson movie. I was completely overwhelmed. Yeah. Like completely. And um, – Is that 3D? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I um Yeah, that was that was a a, a memorable experience. However, I mean, I, I think I just kind of went into a state of shock cuz I'd never been in a theater before. Really? Uh it's yeah. The whole thing. It's the whole thing, just the whole shebang, just the what is it? I think it's like one of the biggest budget pieces or pictures of oh, the time, sure. Uh, uh yeah, even I think it still ranks up there as uh, you know, just they poured an enormous amount of money into just filling every inch of that whole thing with yeah. just overwhelming stimulation. And um and yeah, and after that, I don't I I saw a few Disney movies when I was a kid, but right. 
Really didn't I didn't go to the theater very much. How old were you for Captain EO? Five or six. It's pretty mind blowing, I yeah. imagine, at that time. Yeah. <laughs> uh first R rated movie? Tombstone. Oh. All right. Yeah. Good movie. Yeah. I love Tombstone. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's one that uh yeah, I, I see that on TV every now and then. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but watch it. Yeah, I agree. Val Kilmer, so good. He's very good. I'm glad to see he's doing better. He had a cancer thing, you know. Oh, I did not. Yeah, because he kind of went away for a while. And, of course, the fucking media is just, Ugh. what happened to Val Kilmer? And, boy, he looks like shit. And he had cancer. He had throat cancer. Oh, my God. And tried to kind of keep it on the down low. But um, I read some articles recently about it. So he's been on my mind lately. Oh. Yeah. No, I was big on Val Kilmer as a kid, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Iceman. Was it Batman Forever? Yeah, sure. Is that the one he did? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I get him confused, but yeah. I did too. He was a good Batman. He was a good Batman. Um, you know, he's in the new Top Gun sequel. He reprises his role as the Iceman. I did not. And when I saw that that was filming, I was like, who do I know? How do I get the embroidery contract for this? <laughs> oh, How yeah. do I get to make the patches for Top Gun? That'd be How? cool. To make the Maverick patch? Uh, yeah, That's make pre- them all. Yeah. <laughs> that would have cool. been ideal. Uh, will you walk out of a bad movie? Um, uh, adult me, I think no. I go to the movies so rarely, it's like an investment. Yeah, same Like, here. so, um, so like if I just got to take a nap, I just got to take a nap. Right. <laughs> <laughs> movie sleeper. Yeah. Oh, just don't snore. I don't, I don't actually recall that ever happening, but, <laughs> but I'll sometimes bring knitting or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. I'm a, I, I'm a hands person. Like, You're always I, working on something? It's very difficult for me to sit still, like, in yeah. general. Um, and if I am, then I'm just, like, sitting there thinking of, you know, thinking of things that I want to do, can do, how right. to do things differently. Just, like, it's just always going. And You're so an have, entrepreneur. And, and as well a, a craftsman. And so uh, mm-hmm. having something in my hands uh, is, is really kind of my preferred right. um, way to sit. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I like that. Um. What? Oh, well, let me see here. All right, this is for you. I'm trying to think of an embroidery specific, <laughs> or maybe just costume. Like what? What? Um, what movies like really stand out to you costume wise? Mm. And it, and if you can think of an em- embroidery or anything that worked its way into a film that you really noticed and loved, uh, can you think of one that really got it right? Well, I definitely would say. A League of Their Own, obviously. Great patches. Yeah. Um, and the costumes are so so well done and so well matched to, um, I mean, perfect replicas really of what uh, what actually the the ladies wore in their day. That would be a fun Halloween costume. It would. In fact, somebody – Get um, some ladies together and recreate that. Mm-hmm, a little Dragon Con group activity. Totally. But um, actually one of my favorite – I actually had somebody kind of, uh, kind of reconceptualize that. By um with with Atlanta United though oh. she had like a maroon um uh, tunic dress you know double breasted situation um custom made and then she came to me and she was like hey I made these designs which kind of it's like a marriage of the Atlanta yeah, yeah. United with the Rockford Peaches cool and um but legally passable and, uh, and so I made these patches for her and she was out there doing it and uh, oh that's awesome I, I bet that looked cool and I still haven't seen pictures I'm I'm pretty bad about like doing something that I really really love and then being like all right bye and then, then on to the then, next thing and then all of a sudden I'm like <laughs> I don't have any pictures it's gonna be like two years before I see that again so but right. um 
No, costume-wise, I think definitely A League of Their Own is is really up there for me. Um, you know, the dance scene, uh, everybody is, you know, kind of in their regular day wear. And yeah. They all look so great. And all the GIs and mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, and it's really – it's I, – I, I'm just going to stick to it. I'm going to say A League of, my, of Their Own is my favorite and um, and something that I would really love to be a part of. But um, – uh, you know that's that's a time in in America's history when uh, America was really kind of taking the global forefront of the fashion industry. Like right. you know, Paris, you know, was invaded. You know, and and like they they had a war on you know the home front. They really wasn't they re- they really weren't um, producing fashion the way that they used to. And then America just kind of. Filled that gap. Oh, interesting. And then the American style just kind of took over, like the you know what for, for women, it's like wide shoulders, small hip, right? Um, and um, yeah, they they just did such a good job of kind of really nailing down that classic American, yeah. early early forties. It's look. a cool era for clothes. Yeah, it's really cool. Like men and women, just like mm-hmm. they look great. But there's still there were still a lot of rules about what women could wear, right? And how they could wear it. Sure. Um, and especially in in the baseball league, they really you know it, it, what they you know put forth in the in the movie is 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 true to the time where it's like the the women really weren't supposed to wear like slacks in public. The right. the skirt had to it, they controlled the diameter more than they did the length, which I think oh, was really? really fun. But um, but yeah, uh, great just. Yeah, a really challenging thing to try to recreate now, and um, I don't think they would. I hope they don't try to recreate yeah. a league of their own. But and what do I know? Um, but yeah, it's all about the hair. It's all about the clothes. Yeah, good hair too. Uh, all right, finally, movie going one on one. What is your movie ritual? Where do you go? Where do you sit? What do you eat? Um, as an adult, I still don't. I, I don't go to movies very often. I'll go maybe a couple times a year. If I can find a spot where my feet are up and it is absolutely not harming or <laughs> impeding on anybody else's experience, right. I will do it. No one ever says that second part. Thank yeah. you. That's I, good. I, Everyone's I, like, oh, let's put my feet up. Yeah. If there's nobody <laughs> – like I will I, I will be considerate of the people around me. But like if I have the option to put my feet up, it's happening. Yes. Um, I do love a popcorn and, uh, and I don't really drink a lot of non-seltzer uh, water sodas. Sure. But – I will totally get a Diet Coke, like, immediately. Some Diet Coke and a movie. popcorn, it's so, it's, it's, I know. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, especially if you're not going much. Mm-hmm. You can swing that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Chuck. This was a lot of fun. This was fun. Thank you. All right, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that. What a fun, fun movie to get to go back and rewatch. And I know this is such a beloved film that um, – uh, I think a lot of you probably enjoyed listening to this one. Such a good movie. So fun and so funny. And like I said, just such a big kind of throwback, classic, big Hollywood movie. Um, really, really good stuff. Love it, love it, love it. So thanks to Katie for coming in. Again, you can check her out at Tulip Cake. That is T-U-L-I-P Cake Embroidery. Go check out what she's doing. Order a patch from Katie. I'm telling you, you should do it. Uh, and that's it, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and until next time... Um, don't learn how to make patches. Just call Katie and she'll hook you up. She'll make you one. Movie Crush is produced, edited, and engineered by Ramsey Yunt. 
here in our home studio at Pont City Market, Atlanta, Georgia, for iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Tumon Bay. Tumon Bay. Bay is weak. We need to rebuild. The epic fiction podcast, Tumon Bay, returns. Have we met before? Oh, yes, General. You have no choice. It has to be done. In the name of God, what have you done? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Joe Levy, and on the latest episode of Inside the Studio, I sat down with one of the all-time great singer-songwriters, James Taylor. We talked about his new album, where his music comes from, and how telling his life story through his songs has helped him. Music saved my life, but I was lucky also to survive. I did some very stupid, some some years that were, were just really high risk, unnecessarily so, and a lot of people around us died, you know. So join me, Joe Levy, editor-at-large at Billboard, for this and other in-depth conversations with the biggest artists in music. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get podcasts.